Welcome back to the OU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Eli Letterman back with Eric Bailey. We're recording this on Wednesday, June 7th. Tonight is game one of the Women's College World Series. OU back for a fourth consecutive appearance to face Florida State. Eric, you and I will both be there. We have been there. We've watched uh, this OU team uh, on this this run back to the Women's College World Series champ series. Uh, what, what are some of your just initial thoughts as, as we head into this tonight? You know, they they found ways to win, uh, both with their backs against the wall, twice against Stanford, really. Uh, a couple two-run wins against Stanford, one that went nine innings. And then they uh, had a run rule win over Tennessee, nine nothing. So they really had both ends of the spectrum with the way that they play. Uh, confident team. I mean, really confident team. And even when they were losing uh, early against Stanford in, in the national semifinal, they uh, find a way to claw back and then found a way to get over the top. So just impressed. It really kind of epitomizes the way the season has been because there were times this season when they had close calls and they found a way to win. And now at the, on the biggest stage at the biggest moment and the most important time of the year, they're finding ways to get over the hump and win games. So I'm excited about this series. This is going to be so much fun. Best of three against Florida State. Uh, these were the teams when when this thing started, June the 1st, these are the two teams I think everyone thought would meet in the championship game. I think everyone hoped for Bedlam, but everyone pretty much thought this could be the matchup, and here it is. So this is going to be a fun week. Yeah, to that point, I mean, you can even go back to the Super Regional against Clemson. because The, the first weekend of, of postseason play, regionals, OU rolled past everyone they had in Norman. The next weekend, though, playing, you know, the number 16 overall seed, Clemson, they got pushed. We, you know, anyone following along saw that Kinsey Hansen home run that down to their final strike. Um, you know, they, they did it there. Then they get to the World Series and, and face off with a Stanford team to open up with, that had the pitching to really contend with them and to, to keep them close. Then they, you know, they, they did a job on Tennessee, but they had to get past Stanford again. And this is a team that while they, you mentioned a few close calls throughout the season, largely they haven't played a lot of close games. And so the fact that when they're in these pressure situations, they've just always responded. There's a calm, there's a confidence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as evidenced with Clemson, you know, down to their last strike, but they really do not. Um, they never seem out of these games. They're never down big, but they don't ever seem out of them. And uh, I, I think that's maybe the scariest bit. It's not just that they're, they're, they're not here run ruling everybody, but they're playing the best teams in the country so well and seemingly have so much control. Um, and, and I think that's going to be an important factor because I imagine these games with Florida State, Patty Gasso said it yesterday, they're not going to be run rule games. They're going to be close. And this OU team has proven itself uh, to do so. Eric, I know this was a question you wanted to ask Patty Gasso. We didn't get the chance, but I'll ask you. you know, you, The question you had for Patty was, which side are you more confident in? Are you more confident when when you've got your pitchers on in the circle or when when your offense is up to bat? To you, which side of the equation has been more impressive or more dominant in, in the early run uh, or the run to this championship series? You know, I, I and I still may ask that question because I'm really curious what Coach Gasso thinks. Which side is what do you what what does she want? Does she want uh, with the game on the line? Does she want her offense at the plate or does she want her defense and pitching going on? That's a tough question. I don't know how I would answer it, and I'm really curious how Patty would answer it. I'd almost go with the pitching and defense just because they've been so stable all year and you have some winners on in the circle. Uh, you have Jordy Ball, who is just really having a healthy postseason. She's making up for lost time last year for when she was not, not 
100%. She's throwing well. And I think at crunch time, we saw it against Stanford. There were many times it was crunch time. And, and you know, one one bad pitch would lead one, one big hit by Stanford, and we'd be playing another game. So I, I really think I'd go with the defense. Uh, and, you know, I'm the pitching and the defense and the defense, too, because you look at this, this is a fielding team that leads the nation in fielding percentage. They don't make mistakes. So I think you're confident in your pitching. You're confident in your defense. Uh, defense wins championships. That's the football saying. And I guess I'd have to agree that it's softball as well. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that question? To me, it's a one one player answer. I know Patty wouldn't give one, but it has to be Jordy Ball because she has been absolutely nails. She's gotten the win in all three uh, College World Series wins. Uh, and, and I mean, the way she had she, – she outdueled the Stanford pitching in game one. She got the start in game two and gave OU the platform uh, to, to roll past Tennessee. And then the other day, I mean, Nicole May got the start, and she was great beyond that first inning home run. But uh, Jordy Ball carried them through the, the extra innings while, while Nigel A. Kennedy was, was doing the same for Stanford. Uh, and and Jordy Ball is the reason that T.R.A. Jennings got to come up and and have that at bat in in the ninth. And uh, the the bats have certainly been there, but to me, Jordy Ball has been number one. I'd imagine Eric she'll be who we'll see in the circle tonight, getting the start, unless Patty switches some things up. You know, I'm really interested. Uh, you know, all season long, everyone's talked about the, the the rotation and the pitchers they had. They had three strong starters, and you know, it was good not to lean on one pitcher. But I think now we're seeing that it's important to have that one dominant arm. And Jordy Ball uh, has earned the ball, deserves the ball. I think, in my opinion, she probably gets the ball tonight. Um, you got to win game one. This is the most important game of the series. You got to get this win. So I think you do throw Jordy Ball in this game. Uh, but uh, it's curious, uh, you know, it was good to get Nicole May in for Patty Gasso and get her, you know, she had a little shaky start against Stanford, gave up the home run, but then retired, I think, uh, what, 13 or 12 or 13 in a row, a really nice run against the Cardinal. Uh, and we haven't seen Alex Taraco just just briefly in the first game. That's all all we've seen. So I'm kind of curious if they're going to try to kind of kind of thread her into the the rotation as well. But you got to go with Ball tonight. That's that's my guess. I don't know. I'm not I'm not making 1.6 million a year to make these <laughs> decisions. But I I think so. Uh, you, you, would you agree? Would you think it'd be Jordy? I think so. And I think you know any well if I say any question. We're here debating it. We'll find out tonight. But. Um, you know, game two against Tennessee would have been a day logically to throw Nicole May and give her the start because, I mean, I, I think the, the stats have bared it out over the course of, of the postseason where Jordy Ball has easily been their best pitcher. But that could have been the day to give your second pitcher a start. Instead, while Tennessee kind of messed around and, and tried to get, uh, you know, a little cute with their pitching strategy, Patty Gasso went with her hottest hand. And, and I think that maybe is an indication of there's no messing around this time of year when you've got someone throwing like Jordy Ball, you have to have a defined number one. So I think it's her, and I, I think that would set the tone. It's it's how they set the tone against Stanford, against Tennessee. It's how they closed out against Stanford. Uh, like I said, no no one, and it's not diminishing anything else. No one's been more critical for the Sooners over the last week in Oklahoma City than Jordy Ball. So I'd be stunned to see anybody else uh, other than her in the yeah. circle to start tonight. Eric, these teams played earlier this season in Norman, yeah. March 14th, I believe, 5-4 OU win. Is there anything to glean from there? I know the, the kind of the timing on that was funny. Florida State was just coming here for a one-off game. They'd just been in Stillwater, so maybe it wasn't, you know, midweek in March is not 
the women's college world series, but what, what do you, uh, what do you remember from that night and what might, uh, could it, is there anything to, to draw from there? Well, first of all, I think it was an important weekend for Florida state. I think they went I, uh, one and three. I think they lost three or four games during that spring break trip. And you're right. It was a weird time. It was spring break. And a lot of times teams are going to Florida for spring break and Florida, of course, came here for spring break. So it was different. But no, I remember covering that game. I remember it was a chilly night. I remember Florida State took the lead. I mean, it was something that was, you know, with the way Oklahoma was playing, Florida State took a 4-3 lead, a uh, three-run homer in the fourth inning, and OU responded right away with two runs. Uh, very good game. Uh, it was a top 10 showdown. Um, Jordy Ball, I think, uh, if I recall, I'm trying to remember, I think she came off the bench in that game out of the bullpen and threw some out of the bullpen. Um, who started that game? I'm trying to, Starocco. Yeah, Starocco. Yeah, Starocco had played uh, four innings, uh, gave up four runs, and they brought ball in and balled through three innings of one hit ball. So I think Starocco, you know, ball was, of course, we talked about it again. Ball had a good start. So uh, good game. This, I think, I think this that game helped Florida State more than it helped Oklahoma because it, it proved to the Seminoles that, hey, we can play with this centers team and Oklahoma is going to go in, you know, thinking they could play with anybody but for Florida State I think it gives them confidence surely and and I think uh there was uh, what I can say from being in that press conference yesterday with Patty Gasso and and her crew and then Florida State coming in after with Lonnie Alameda there's a lot of respect on both sides of this uh this World Series and these are teams that have seen each other before this year and in the past I think we're gonna be in for a treat Eric I won't ask for a prediction but I I think you know most people would probably say the, the question is two or three games uh you know OU is not lost since mid-February uh if that trend stuck it's it's a two-game deal but uh, I, I wouldn't put it past Florida the, uh, excuse me Florida State the way they played the talent they have having Catherine Sandercock in the circle I think gives them um at least no no different than Stanford potentially they've got a pitcher capable of doing what Nigeria Kennedy and Alana Vauder did to OU uh and and so I think we're going to be in for a good one before we head out of here you and I both got to get our days together before we're both spending our nights at Hall of Fame Stadium. Eric, you had a story this week that uh, was well read. It was well done. Um, and the title is, Why do OU softball players wear their number? Their answers will make you laugh and think. So this is one I know you were working on all season. Can you peel back the curtain a little bit and, and tell us about this one? Uh, it was kind of a fun story. And just something, you know, we go to press conferences every week and, and we'd have different players come in. Sometimes we'd only get one player. Sometimes we'd get two. And I'd try to make it just a point to ask each player at, you know, near the end of the, the session. I didn't want to start off with the, such a trivial question, but I always ask them, hey, why do you wear the number you do? And it got to the point where uh, other members of the OU beat kind of smiled because they knew it was coming. And I'd start my question by saying, hey, these guys around me have heard me ask this question to your teammates. I, I need to ask you. <laughs> and they kind of laughed. So it was a fun, it was kind of a fun icebreaker. And you never know what you're going to get. Some some, uh, some of the players were just straight to the point with their answer. Oh, I don't really have a good reason. Some were great. I think Haley Lee was my favorite one. Where's number 45 for Carlos Lee, who was a Houston uh, Astros slugger. And she said, hey, we even have the same last name. So she said, I began, she said she began being being 45 when she was little and went from there. So um, I thought that was cool. I thought Kenzie Hansen, she she wanted to be number seven. Her dad was 21. And then she found out, she liked the big name K-9. So she went with number nine and it stuck. 
So um, Brito, Alyssa Brito, 33, I was expecting a really great answer from her. She goes, eh, it's just a number, just something I got. And uh, and Sydney Sanders, uh, that was one, I, she yeah. was one. And she said, well, my birthday's 11-11. She was born on November 11th. So it's obvious that number one was her answer. So it was a fun thing to put together. And it was really neat just to hear the players. They're excited because they get asked all these questions about defense and batting and opponents and everything like and this. kind of lets them step back and just you know, just talk a little bit about why they wear the number they do. And it, it was really neat just to hear some of their answers. I, you know, and finally, Jordy Ball. I mean, everyone, we see 98. I think everyone knows that story. It's for her dad, uh, Dave Ball, who played at Doan College, football player. So really cool, Eli. And it was, it was a fun story to put together. Yeah, I think an interesting thing, you hear it a few times in years, is a lot of these numbers get picked. The numbers you see them wear might be a second choice because someone else had number X, you know, Nicole May. She wears number 19. She says, I was 17 in high school uh, <laughs> because I thought I looked like I was 17, is what she said. Um, but when she came to college, Shane Knighton was wearing 17. So no dice. She picked 19. Uh, I think Grace Lyons, similar. Sydney Romero was was number two. Uh, so she picks number three. And now, you know, five years later, uh, it's a great number, obviously. In fact, I'm surprised it was there for Grace Lyons. But uh, five years later, that's the number that, you know, the captain of this team and, and the captain of kind of a, a defining run for OU softball has worn. So, you know, some of these are very intentional and then others, you know, they're, they're a second pick and they become to be kind of a defining thing. I found Patty Gasso's answer to you, Eric, uh, pretty interesting. I thought we caught her off guard with that question because I was asking the players and it was the last question of a press conference and she started laughing. She was kind of laughing and grinning the whole time. And I think she was trying to think of a reason why she wore number seven. Uh, seven's the number, but she she said, I don't know. I like the way it looks. <laughs> you always think number seven, uh, good athletes were seven. She didn't know how to answer the question, but she was laughing because she was trying to think. I think she was trying to think of something clever to say. And just couldn't think of something, and then she got caught up in it. But, yeah, even Patty Gasso, number seven, um, uh, she she loved seven. She did get moved to three late late later, but seven, she said, is her number. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool as well. My last question for you, Eric, is what number did you wear growing up? I will tell you this, and I'm going to ask you. I'll turn around and ask okay. you. I wore number five uh, for George Brett, Kansas City Royals. I mean, he was like the guy. George Brett used to wear have chewing tobacco back in the day sticking out of his his uh, cheeks. I mean, it was it was you know you don't see that anymore, of course. But he had so I'd always have sunflower seeds sticking out of my cheek wearing number five. So George Brett was the reason I wore number five. Loved it. Still love number five. My daughter, uh, I wanted her to be number five. Mandy, my she's a fourteen, a thirteen year old. She just turned fourteen. She she plays softball and she's number twenty seven. And I remember asking her, "Why do you wear twenty seven? Because I had no clue why she wore twenty seven. Uh, two reasons: uh, her birthday's on the twenty seventh. Okay, and then she graduates in twenty twenty seven. So she picked 27, and that's her number. So that's kind of a unique answer for her, too. You what? hear that, college recruiters? Class of 2027, <laughs> Mandy Bailey, Patty Gasso, line up that NIL deal. Uh, so, okay, what did you wear? What's your number? So uh, there are a couple, like, uh, you know, 31, I was a huge Mike Piazza fan. 12, I was a big Tom Brady fan. But six has been my number. Um, and I'm, I adore Bill Russell, like one of my favorite athletes of all time. But the reason I wear six is probably an athlete you've never heard of. A uh, guy named Ollie Linton, Linton, he was a college baseball player in like the mid-2000s, and he played in a summer league in, in the Cape Cod Baseball League. 
for the what was then the Orleans Cardinals, they're now the Firebirds. And for whatever reason, I was like six, seven years old. He was my favorite player that summer. I, you know, I've I've got a collection of baseballs signed by all these former college players. He, he would get his autograph, all that. And I wore six from then on, and it evolved. But to this day, I, you, Eric, you've heard plenty about my Sunday soccer league. I wear a number six. It's a good soccer number. But if I had to trace it all the way back, it is to uh, – he played at, I think, UC Irvine. And I think, believe now he's a Major League Baseball agent. Uh, but Ollie Linton, a guy you never, ever would have heard of. Uh, I don't think he had much of a remarkable pro career. But I wore six after that, and it stuck from there. We're gonna to have to find Ollie and send him this podcast so he can right. we can he can reflect on what his career meant to young Eli Letterman in the Cape Cod League. That's an awesome story. I love that story. That might be my favorite story right there. Of all of them, of all of them, you now yeah. he works for CAA. So if I ever need an agent, maybe I'll. Uh, <laughs> He's not I'll messing around with the agency, is he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, Eric, I think that'll do it for us. We'll be back uh, presumably post. Women's College World Series with a podcast, um, but please follow along with our work. We've we've been grinding from the Women's College World Series. We've had plenty coming out so far. We'll have plenty more to come as the Sooners chase down perhaps a, a third straight title and will mark a, a a big piece of history. I guess one thing we didn't hit on here is back to back to back World World Series championships. Only t- other team to do it: UCLA, nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety. OU could be in some pretty special company. Uh, if they get there this week. But as always, you can find our work at the Tulsa World, tulsaworld.com, and you can listen to us, Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back with more uh, perhaps later this week. Thanks for listening.